So welcome, 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 so welcome to No Stupid, stupid Questions. Hello, everybody. This week's up, folks? It's for real. It's for real. With T-Leak like, and Jag. Like no, no specific <laughs> order. I love No Stupid <laughs> Questions show. Can we curse on this show? Do whatever it's we feel. Okay. Tanya, your question for today. No. Raw, raw, like All right. Stupid. So, question. No stupid questions. No stupid questions. Welcome to this episode. Of <laughs> My first question is, who are you? No stupid questions. <laughs> Let's just take a breath. We're in what will be seen as a critical moment in our history. The legacy of Donald Trump and the party to which he claims membership, the Republicans, hangs in the balance. The question for today, did I introduce the show, Jack? No, but it's a no stupid question show. Let's just jump into it. I mean, we've got a lot to okay. talk about. So let's, let's get to it. <laughs> All right, because we got more than two, two smart people. So let's get to the stupid question. Are the Republicans finished? Oh, was that the question? That is the question. Was there a so different I'm, question? I'm, I'm going to let our guests jump in first because I just want to hear what they have to say. They're finished tonight. <laughs> they're, they're getting started for their next phase. I think uh, it's, it's unwise, not just in politics or when you're talking about this conversation, to underestimate people who are your adversaries. So, yeah, they're not finished by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion. And I think they're going to probably be even more focused in two years when it's time for more Senate and, our, and more congressional runoffs to, to, to be had. All right. Nee, you have some comments you want to make now? Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting question. And I, I wanted to laugh when it was they're finished for tonight. They might be finished winning for a minute in anything that is not just drawn and designed for them to win. But there's too many people that want to believe what they're selling for <laughs> them to go away. So are they finished bothering us or finished <laughs> making our lives difficult? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I actually hope have, have more hope right now you know, Georgia did, what, what did you say, home, home team? It didn't soothe my soul, but it did reaffirm that there's enough people that aren't necessarily looking to hear the mess. And I think it got worse the day after they lost in a deeply red state. So that's not good for them winning. But yeah, they're still around in too many numbers for me to feel, feel good about it. Can I just ask, home team, when you said they're they're finished for the night, you meant tonight in the broad sense, yes? Correct. Tongue in okay. cheek. Just, they're just finished the because they've been kicked out of the Capitol for now. Okay. But they're, they're not finished. They're, they're just getting started. And the truth is, they do know how to win elections. They've been doing that. If you go back and just look at the history of the presidential election, and I believe eight of the last ten, the Democratic candidate got the popular vote eight out of the last 10 times, but we haven't had eight out of the last 10 presidents be a Democrat. And that's because of our electoral system and process. So even though they are, you know, certainly hard to move or Im immovable in some cases, and they are outvoted a lot of times, they still find a way to bring control of power in the Senate. And in sometimes almost happened this time in elections where the Democrat 
wins the presidency. It happened to Barack Obama. You know, he won in 2008. Everybody was, hey, Barack, Barack, Barack. And then in 2010, two years later, a bunch of Republicans got voted in to the Senate and to Congress. So they know how to win elections. And so when I say they are finished, I'm just being tug-in-cheek. They, they are finished inside of the Capitol tonight. But they are going to regroup, and they're going to figure out how to way to, in my opinion, fix some rules, fix some absentee voting and fix a way for uh, their numbers and their constituency to find ways to gain power. T. Leak, you got your question answered? <laughs> I got more than my question answered. I got about five more questions off of that. Okay, well, let me, let me, oh, let me jump oh. Let me jump in. Well, well, maybe I should let you go. You got five more. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you go. And I'm sure... Well, I, I guess my answer. comments... You might my, my comments kind of align with, with me and, and home team. And, and me said something there that, that she said it and, and kind of glossed over it, but it's important. She said in elections where they don't draw the lines. But that's a very important comment because down ballot, the Republicans did very well. Mm-hmm. In a lot of these state houses, the Republicans did extremely well, which means that they're going to be able to draw some lines when it's time to figure out where the next Congress, congressional seats are, 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 are going to come from. So don't be surprised if in two years... Biden is trying to figure out how he can get legislation across because he doesn't have a majority anymore. So no, I don't think they're finished. All right. That is exactly the point that I was making as well because I wanted the 2020 to be the year because it's for, it's, for, it's for five con- congressional cycles, right? They, they get to draw the lines again in a way that gave them a five-point advantage for the last 10 years. Right. They will find a way to make it a two or three point advantage at least for the next ten years, and that's unfortunate. But I, yeah, yeah, I agree with I, I agree with Jag on that point. It's unfortunate. Okay, so yeah, my my, my pen is not working, so I, I, I have to remember these questions off the top of my head. <laughs> Come so, on, you're just fifty um, years old now. You should be able to remember the questions. Uh, oh, was I not supposed to say that? Oh yeah, you're proud of being fifty. That's what right. was it, man? Woman, camera, fish. I don't remember. Anyway, so um, <laughs> if anybody gets that that reference, so I I agree with the fact that the the group that we saw at the Capitol, as you said, the the Republicans are out there. But actually, this is something that um, I'm gonna challenge Home Team on because spoiler, I, I had a little conversation with him before this. Uh, are y'all prepped for this call? No, no, no. <laughs> we were talked. I was trying to talk the other night and it was the wrong text that went out. So I was trying to log in <laughs> and I called my cousin to log in to something that wasn't live. Who's your cousin? What are you so, talking about? Be light is so, technical. <laughs> Technical difficulty person was my cousin. B light is live. I don't know if y'all want to give her a chance to y'all talk. I don't know if y'all want to give her a chance to jump in. Now. <laughs> hey, I'm just catch- hey y'all. I'm just catching up. So go right on ahead. <laughs> so so I will say I also um, did read that this is the first time the Democrats have been in control of the Senate in ten years. And if somebody has all the data, please correct me. But that was what I I read. I'm questioning whether or not. The, the rift that we've seen, you know, what we've seen in Georgia between the Republicans that have basically allied themselves with Trump and his belief that the election was stolen and the others who have stood up for what they believe is, you know, 
um, a, uh, a fair and, uh, and just election? Are we, are we seeing the end of the Republican Party, though, as we know it? And in that way, are they finished? So that's my first question. I'll just throw that out there and let y'all... I guess my first response is, what is the Republican Party as we know it? I'm, I'm not sure what they are to know if we're, we're close to seeing the end. I think you always, starting with Sarah Palin, you have had this fringe of the Republican Party that is very vocal, uh, very active, very loud. But I don't know if they represented the majority of the Republican Well, they obviously didn't represent the majority of the Republican Party. So are they, are you asking, are they going away? And if that's what you're asking, my answer is no, because people like that don't go away. They just get louder and louder and louder until you well, suppress no, what I What I heard all of you saying was that those are the people that really aren't going away. And to be honest, that's what I'm wondering is, is that the, is this fringe moment really just like Trump who basically took over what was the traditional Republican party? Is this fringe element now kind of explosive and you know it, it just seems to suck everything in its wake so is that going to be something new that actually eclipses and eventually kind of makes irrelevant the old school folks the folks that actually voted for the ratification you know i kind of have a problem with the notion of kind of the fringe element because in some ways it's a pass right if you really look at typical historical Republican policies from even the most civilized of the party, all of it has an underlying racist, traditional white supremacist element to it. And there's really truthfully no way to get around that if you pull back the layers and study the history of our laws and how they are implemented and who they impact. Um, who benefits from them. And so in some ways to me, this so-called French element is really just shining a light on what has been there bubbling under the surface, but it's not polite to say it out loud. So that 74 million people voted for Trump or whatever the numbers are, shows all those millions of people were not just now clued in to the fact that he has been this all along. So I, I guess I'm, I'm really kind of struggling with this notion of it being something else than what has al always been there. And, and that's not even to say that's different from the Democratic Party either. I mean, there's a lot of things we could peel back the layers there too, though policy-wise it's been a little more beneficial for our communities. I agree with that. And I don't I don't see fringe at all. It just used to be that Republicans used to be embarrassed by people who would act like this in public. They didn't want to be seen with the Klansmen. They would go to church with them, but they didn't want to be seen with them in public. They would be embarrassed by what they would consider low class people taking the reins of their party and being loud. And Donald Trump just made it cool to be a bigot in public. And they have have been cowardly in not challenging him or them. So these people haven't been birthed 
out of anything. They've just been able to be louder and more vocal and more visible. So the record number of people who turned out to vote, they aren't going anywhere. They aren't fringe. They were the people who were listed into the Tea Party. They were the people who've always been people who will not uh, acquiesce or people who want to uh, negotiate for anything. So I, I don't I don't see them as fringe at all. I see them as they are exactly who they want to be. They're the people who've always been there. And now they have a platform and a voice. And the reality is they may vote. They may have some fracturing fracturing of their party and may put up some more Tea Party esque candidates, you know, in some local elections. But the truth is they're going to pool together and they're going to be against the Democrat the next time. They're not going to uh, be in any different position to try to make anything closer to negotiating. So I don't see them as fringe. I don't see them as anything special. I just think they're just louder and have a bigger platform now. So I agree with both of you, but it's interesting. I think that the fact that they're no longer fringe, that they actually now are the base of the Republican Party, is what makes it harder for the Republicans to win. Because there is actually a fringe that was embarrassed and remains embarrassed to be seen with them, right? They're the group that you would be with undercover, but not out loud. And now they're so loud that in order to be with them, it's always out loud. The Lincoln Project and the Never Trumpers, they haven't changed what they believe and they haven't changed how comfortable or uncomfortable they are with racism, but they are uncomfortable with explicit and overt racism that calls people, that makes people call them racist. So now all of a sudden they're saying if it's three or four or 5% of that Republican party, it's just enough to keep them from being in the majority. And so there's there's a whole bunch of them. But if they're 74 million to 81 million, I will be disappointed till death that there are 74 million of them and happy until death that we st- that we can outnumber them. And I think that if examples like yesterday where the people that were most terrorized that were under lockdown also have no voice in the Senate and no voting voice in the House get statehood for D.C., then all of a sudden that actually changes substantially and in a meaningful way. And hopefully that's one of the first things they do, right? Because that would make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And even to take it kind of, as I was thinking about it, as you, you were talking, you know, to take it even a step further, what's interesting about the vocal uh, Trumpsters, I guess, for lack of a better term, is that they aren't even really the Republican Party. Like, they are being used by the Republican Party. I mean, Trump was very strategic in targeting primarily poor white people and largely uneducated white people by the racist tropes and dog whistles to bolster his agenda. Because if anybody actually sat and thought about it, most of those folks who are, you know, kind of waving the Trump flag don't benefit from Trump's policies or the Republican policies. So it, it is, it's another interesting layer to me when you think about it with the history of our country and the amount of effort that went into keeping poor black people and poor white people from ever coming together to organize together. So be like, that's, that's interesting. You, you, you couch it that way because I see it as a continuation 
of that history. Racism was born and white supremacy was born out of elite whites understanding that mm -hmm. there could not be an alliance between poor whites and blacks. And it was a calculated, well-run campaign to split what they feared was an alliance between poor whites and blacks. And so I see Trump, what Trump did as a clear continuation of that. Not something new. It, it's something that's part of the playbook of the white elite throughout the history of America. I, I, well, I actually was thinking about that. And when you talk about going back that far, it's something that, you know, Republicans like to harp on, right? Is who were the quote unquote Democrats, you know, back in the day, back in the original, who were the ones that were more, you know, sort of uh, conservative in their views, et cetera. And it was the Democrats, right? So party views change and, and the world changes, the country changes. So I, I think that, you know, be like to what you were saying, I, I think that, you know, you, you look at all of the, the background that you have when you have a Congress, whether they be Republican or Democratic, um, with, you know, white faces and privileged backgrounds, et cetera, are coming from a white supremacist point of view. So I'm not even sure that's an exclusively Republican ailment, uh, to use a word. And I, I guess that's, that's the reason why I'm asking this question, because when you look at the evolution of a party, if you will, um, there are all kinds of different um, changes. And you, you know, that, that's why I'm asking, because I agree with you that they're not fringe. I said fringe sort of uh, to uh, home team's point, tongue in cheek, because they're ultimately not fringe anymore. In fact, the fringe is what I was calling the traditional Republicans, the people that were ashamed, as me referred to, um, at, the, at the, and they're still there, agreed. But I think what's happened is that the audacity, you know, interesting that Barack Obama, you know, wrote about the audacity of hope. This is the audacity of, of supremacy because I, I feel like they have been given sort of the, the ability to express themselves and the people that were, you know, I was telling my brother, these roaches have been here all the time. We just turned on the light. Trump just turned on the light. And so now we're just, you know, we're trying to, to scramble to figure out how to deal with them, but they are here, they've been here. And I feel like it's just, it, it, it actually has shifted. And so the question is, you know, I mean, you saw it with the Tea Party and they kind of saw themselves as, as aside from, you know, not to call it fringe, but aside from the, the sort of quote unquote, again, all of these quote unquote, right? Semantics mainstream Republican Party. Um, so the question is moving forward, these, these people, there is a rift and are, are people gonna, you know, and Lord knows it could be Trumpist, could be the Trumpist party because you know he likes to put his name on everything. <laughs> so if they are going to continue to follow him, and I agree, he ain't going anywhere. I mean, I hope he gets out of the White House. But even after that, you know, I don't see this sort of dying down ultimately. And so the question is, what is that going to look like? Are they going to call themselves Republicans? And in that way, are the Republicans, quote unquote, finished? Or, or the free or the free Trump movement, because let's hope they're they're trying to free him from jail next. <laughs> Well, they've just been cowardly. You know, no, I, I'm just, no, no. I can't believe. I'm talking about are the people that aren't going to free him. They're the people who actually, the Kelly Loeffler, and, and it's interesting because is this an inflection point for some of those who were pro-Trump, as Kelly Loeffler did, and, even, and, and with this heinous act, just like some people who didn't believe it until George Floyd, 
you know, is, is this the inflection point for some, some part of that group? And I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I guess I say the, the people that would free him are not the Republicans I'm talking about that are finished, because those are the people that are becoming the minority. Well, I think there will be a battle for the quote unquote swing voter. There were a lot of people this time who, especially here in Georgia, who did not vote for Trump, but they then voted for the Republicans, you know, on the other parts of the ballot. So there are some people who aren't just loyal to just one party or just one person. So that will be interesting. I do think there is something to the fact that a lot of these Republicans, the quote unquote good ones, you know, they they were cowards in that they needed the Trump voter. Trump had gained usurped the party to a point if you said anything about him or if he said anything about you, his voters weren't going to vote for you. So they operated in fear over the last four years because they needed to be Trump's buddy so that the the voters in their states and their districts would vote for them. So I think there is a conversation. What happens now that they might be a bit more free to say, well, that's crazy or that's crazy talk or we're not with that and this is these are the issues. But I still think quite a number of those folks you know, they go to church, they live. These people just weren't spawned out of any place. They've always been there. And they're just running off at the mouth and committing felonies and terroristic acts now. But they have been going to the churches and going to the, the courthouses and going to the family reunions of people who have been Republican for a long time. No question. But I guess talking about fringe, and I guess we didn't define who, who the fringe was. And when I was thinking of this fringe part of the Republican Party, I'm thinking of the people that stormed the Capitol. I don't think that represents the views of the 74 million or whatever the number was, people that voted for Trump. I mean, I actually think that there's clear evidence that Trump actually dragged down the Republican Party this time around. They did better. The Republicans did better in most places than than Trump did. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think people hitched their ride to Trump in the first three years and it worked. But this last year, that that actually was a detriment to those people. Yeah, but it, isn't it kind of strange that this is sort of the the line people draw? Like the line is, we can't storm the Capitol, but we can separate children and families. We can call Mexicans rapists. We can call shithole countries of every non-European country. We can murder black people. And shit. Like, why is this the line that all of a sudden is sort of the the moral call? for these folks. I'm just confused by that. Well, because it, this was an attack on the white system as well. I mean, this this was an attack on Mitt Romney. This was an attack on, you know, George Washington. So that 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 just can't happen in some people's minds. I agree with you. I mean, the, the four years have been have been a travesty. As an American, I'm ashamed of what we've done these last four years. Why people then and I think some people did fall off his bandwagon, which is why everyone predicted that that Biden was going to win when they were predicting he was going to win. And actually, people were surprised that it was as close as it was. I, I mean, I agree with you. I can't explain why. Why? Maybe it was because a few people died, unfortunately, and, and no one can stand up and cheer when a few good white Americans die. I don't know. And now a cop. I'm, I'm, I'm jaded here on this one because... I don't think it was this thing. I think it was that this thing was televised. 
And I think it's like the videos of the things that have been happening forever, but now it's televised and I can't pretend it's not happening anymore. The best and the worst part of the ballot box is that people can go in there and tell their truth and then come out and lie about what they did. Mm. We would never have 74 million people say aloud that they voted Mm. for that man Mm. just a month ago, but they did. And, and that gets back to, Jack, you've talked about this on previous shows. I mean, you know, the exit polls versus what happens. And one thing that they did determine is that, yeah, a lot of these folks went into those ballot boxes and they, they you know, pledged exit but said, no, 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 not me. So, so I think there is a question as to whether or not this, this group that formed, it has support or not um, in, a, in a wide base. And, and that, that is what is scary. And, and, you know, going back to B. Light's point, I mean, you know, it's the same question. I mean, they have seen the video and, and you know, you, you, you know, it'd be interesting to have a psychologist, but the lens through which people look at things, because George Floyd was not unique. There was a longer period of time. But, you know, I mean, why that? Why that inflection point? This has been happening. There's been like so. There's there is something you know about it that seems to, and I think it's it's what Nee said. It's it's this sort of televised, and how can you? But I will say, you know, just based on the the what I've seen, you know, in the last four years, I'm 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 kind of jaded too. I mean, I, I I don't know that all of the people who stand up and say that was you know wrong of George Floyd. I don't, I don't know that I don't believe that they go back home to their dinner tables and as as home team said, their family reunions and everything and say, well, you know, he was, he did supposedly forge something or whatever they said. Uh, so, I, you know, and, and what's interesting is I do think that this is the, the place we've gotten to with just a, 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 an incredible amount of, I mean, what was, what was the uh, word that Kellyanne called it? Um, alternative facts. And so you question and you, you doubt, and I think it has created this environment of distrust um, that ultimately is what this group has taken to the hilt and what we are all just, it, it is really creating a, a tremendous barrier to us forming community. You know, the sad thing is I feel like that's, that's the thing that we need most right now. And I think we've got some real challenges to, to recapturing that. And Biden's got his work cut out for him. Well, I think whatever Biden and this administration is going to do, they need to get a lot of stuff pushed through the first two years before other elections come up. I think one thing that's been proven is that can be outvoted, you know, even though it took a very extreme person to make people do the right thing, they can be outvoted. But there also is a, a truth that they and their party, and it's not just Donald Trump, and I think a lot of people need to, in my opinion, need to stop saying it. Donald Trump didn't make everybody think and feel and vote the way that they do. And what he's done is just allow the platform to be changed. And what's about to happen is a party that has a problem with minorities, has a problem with minorities in power, has a problem with women, has a problem with women in power, are about to see all of those people tell them what to do for at least two years and there's nothing they can do about it. So their cabinets are about to be restocked. Their fires are about to be restoked and it might not be Donald Trump and it might not be as bombastic, but I think we have to be very careful once again, saying that this could be the beginning of their end 
there are a lot of people who share the same views, even though they don't share the same criminality that Donald Trump and his weirdo faction happen to share. So uh, I just, you know, back to the original question, I, I just don't think this is the end of the Republican Party. It might be different, but I don't think this is the end. So can I ask you a question? Do people know that he conceded? I, I've been offline and I just conceded is a bit is a bit well, I, again, abstract. I, he, okay, I so let me say he made a quote unquote concession speech. So yeah, I didn't know that. I, so I, I think I think what he did was his lawyers told him to go out. What I read was that he was instructed not to go out last night in the uh, in the wake of all of the crime and say anything because he could put something on the record that could be damaging to him as far as inciting a riot or admitting to something. And well, making a comment of admission. So that's in part why he didn't say anything last night. Uh, I think what we saw today, the quote unquote concession speech was more of him just putting things on the record so that he would not have any culpability or any more culpability or liability uh, if there would be some for him to get sued or to get prosecuted. Concession speech is not how I would coin what I saw on my TV. <laughs> on my TV, it was different. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would agree with that. I think he said that the legislature confirmed the vote. Mm-hmm. That's a little different than saying I concede. He said he would never concede. And I, I, I think you can believe that coming from Donald Trump. But T. Leak, I don't know if you answered the question. You, you've asked these questions. Do you think the Republican Party is done? Mm. I think in the way that we've known them, yes. I believe they are finished. What, uh, what, what I, way uh, do we know them? And what, explain, so ex- explain I, I that a little bit. The, the quote unquote fringe is now more powerful than previously, because I think previously to, to the words that we're using, they were considered fringe. And now I think there was, you know, as, as much as there could be, leadership that disregarded them. And I, I see that very differently now or see what was to come, my personal opinion, um, that that will happen very differently now. And so that, that is what scares me. I, again, like, like, like Home Team said, I mean, I agree. The roaches have been there. The light just got turned on. And so, you know, I think that the fact that the lights are on, they are not scattering anymore. <laughs> and so that is what scares me. And that's what I see. And, and you know, I, I don't know if they will continue to call themselves Republicans, because what I've seen, especially with the rifts you've seen, I mean, you know, you, you talk about the death threats against Republicans here in Georgia. You talk about some of the, the backlash that happened to some of the Republicans who did not stand with those who protested um, or, you know, uh, were uh, unwilling to, to accept the ratification. Um, so there is, uh, you know, and they, cause they were, they, uh, there was, you know, the news hung on the, the square um, in DC and they said that, you know, there's a rumor that they did go there to, to, to get some, some Congress people, Republicans included and, and hold them, you know, to account for their quote unquote crimes so that they, you know, um, would, so they could stop the steal. Um, so I do think that the, what we have known in terms of people that at least, as Nee said, present as, you know, hey, somewhat reasonable, I think those people are no longer in charge. And in that respect, I say that that's what's finished. 
Okay, so so JQ five is in the studio and and confirmed that or said that what Trump said was a new administration will be inaugurated on January twentieth, and my focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. So I agree with home team. That's not quite a concession. Yeah, those those are matters of fact. That's not uh, a concession. Concession speeches usually, you know, say I have called the other candidate to congratulate them. Uh, we fought a hard campaign. We came up a little bit short, and now we all let, need to focus. Let, blah 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 let blah blah. Me, yeah, let that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, that's not from that dude. As, but that's but what I, that's what I'm saying is, and this is where we get into this thing. That is your version of a concession speech. That this is the Kelly Leffler, because I'm pretty sure she didn't call Mr. Warnock. She did. That, okay. she, she called him. She called him today, and she, she gave him a concession she speech. Con she conceded today. And and they today. they. they Today. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. So she needed some time. You could guarantee that Trump needed a lot more time. But all I'm saying is that our our views of what is appropriate, what is truly conceding, are in direct opposition to certainly Trump. But I think again, what what's building here is that this he he's been creating these, he is he's shifting the norms. And that is what is also very scary. Um, so, you know, I, I hear you and I I would hope that that would be what all the things you said are what a concession speech consists of. But unfortunately, this is Trump's concession speech. That is his version of a concession speech, like it or not. Right. So do I agree with you that he's not really conceding? He's stating facts. Yes. But. This is his version of a concession speech. And that's what's happening is we're getting all of these sort of nuances of what things look like. And that is what is shifting. And that's what's scary. And that's what suggests to me that that previous version of what was acceptable and what was expected is changing. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of that being finished. So I just respectfully disagree. I think that was not a concession speech. It was a uh, an opportunity to deflect himself from criminal prosecution and to get on the record something in the history books that at least he said, you know, I said something on the day after the riots and I said something about Joe Biden. I, I don't think that's some new wave, nouveau uh, reach uh, attempt at a concession speech. Somebody made him go out there to save what little bit of legacy he thinks he has, and he's just basically uh, a clown for going out and doing it because he missed his opportunity the day before. That's my humble. No, opinion. no. I, so, yeah, I was going to say. I just think that's all about liability. He, if he is not experienced in anything, it's litigation. Yeah. Good <laughs> um, point. He, he, he knows how to go back and save and respin because the stuff that he said before uh, on the record and in a live TV is problematic for him criminally potentially so this was a this was about litigation nothing else nothing more than that that's all this was was cleaning up that record but but i'm you know back to the the question though that t leak put out in turn about the you know the party and, and and those comments you know i i just don't know i mean i kind of feel like when you think about like some carl rovian type person who are these the masterminds behind these very long games they've been playing um, if you read Democracy in Chains and things like that, I mean, this has been going on for, you know, 50, 70 years of understanding the dynamics of using this group of people to push forward policies that benefit mostly wealthy white people, even though it doesn't benefit them. I don't think people are going to give that up easily. And I'm not sure there's some place for folks to go. I mean, I was just looking at one of the Twitter posts of 
one of the guys they got on camera who was out there, who was a lawyer and an HR director or something, he just got fired by his company. Um, you know, there's no place for people to go to really be in that platform out loud. And so they're going to have to revert back to the quiet way of doing it. The not saying, you know, we're not going to say Negroes out loud. We're just going to, you know, talk about welfare, welfare queens or whatever other, you know, tagline they come up with. I, I think that's where we'll go right back to, because also, I mean, Trump doesn't have all that much life left in him. Right. However, you know, long he has is not, forever. And I don't know of any other personality that's that bold, that's currently speaking out under Trump's umbrella, who would really be in a position to take that over. And then the other side of it is Trump himself may kind of go quietly away because he doesn't really like that crowd. He likes being among the elite. Um, And they have kind of rejected him right now. He's going to be mad about that. But at the same time, I don't see him hanging out at the, you know, the the barbecue over at the you know local gun range i, I just i don't see it trailer park <laughs> right it's just not happening <laughs> at the trailer park uh mechanic shop no. and, and me, i know you were trying to get in so i i, I want to leave some space for me to get in but but t league I, I guess i need to piggyback well, on the be like you say wait but before you say concede admit that something is true or valid after first denying or resisting it so let me say this, just really quickly on this concession thing. All of the niceties you're putting around that, I agree, he didn't do. And I'm not saying whether or not he did it for legal purposes or other, but the, the, the core of concession is that you have admitted that something is true or foul after first denying or resisting it. The facts that he stated is the concession. What we want it to be, that's that's why I'm saying we've wrapped it in the tradition that we have around making the call and doing this. That's not at the heart of it. And that's why I'm saying, like it or not, you know, wish it wasn't or not, this is who he is. And the way in which he's going to do it, yes, is going to be cover your ass. It's going to be all those things. But what he said was that there will be a smooth transition, blah, 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 and he has not said that before. That is as much concession as you're going to get. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that I agree with it, that I think it was a, quote, my version of a concession, but what I'm saying is that is his, and that you, you might want all of that other wrapping to go around it, but that's not, that, that is what I'm saying, is that there is a change in what is uh, the bare minimum for that, and it's really coming down to the core. So that's it. But so, so T. I don't want to argue with you about whether or not it was a concession speech, but I do want to argue about whether or not the Republican Party is over. That's um, the question of the day. Right. Oh. So first of all, I think you give Trump a little too much credit. Trump was a useful tool for the Republican Party to get hold of that seat for four years. And it worked. It surprised everybody, but it worked. But I don't think they were going to ride with Trump and Trump's philosophies for the next 20 years. They had to move back to something a little more quiet, a little more palatable to keep power for a long period of time. I hope you're right that they splinter off and have a group because that means that in 2022, Biden may have a chance to keep a congressional branch that will that will allow him to do some things. So I hope you're right. I really do hope you're right. But unfortunately, I don't think that's right because I think in 2022, you're going to see a resurgence of the Republican Party. You know, it's 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 been very difficult for a unified government to stay in power. That hasn't happened for a long time. Obama couldn't do it. Clinton couldn't do it. I'm trying to think of the last time that 
any president kept a unified government. And I don't think when you say unified, I'm sorry, what do you mean? I'm, the legislative branch was not was was matching the, was sorry. matching the presidential branch. Okay. And I'll look it up when I start when I shut up. But <laughs> I, I hope you're right. But I fear that you're not. And I fear that the Republican Party is alive and well. And I don't think it's going to end up being you, you ask who's next. I guess Cruz and Hawley were the two people who signed most of the objections last night. So so maybe they are carrying the Trump flag more than anyone else. But I don't think they're going to be the front runners in the Republican Party come come four years. I, I, well, I think me, they will fade in the background so, and it'll be a more palatable, so more middle of the ground candidate. Let me ask you a question back then. So would you I understand what you're saying. And I yes, uh, we'll see what happens. But do you would you I would rather have I would rather not have this faction as a strong actual entity in itself. And so the question I have for you is whether or not you actually you talked about the the previous Republican um, or the traditional Republican, I guess, as I'm saying, the one that's finished. Uh, I understand the splintering, but do you would you want that to become more of a sort of minority cause, that traditional Republican where this other thing is 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 growing and booming? Well, I, I still believe that traditional Republican is in control of that party. Trump was there for four years, but-, but Okay, I, no, no, that's saying. not the question though. So what I'm saying okay. is words aside- Give that, me straight. That if, if they do split, as you said, I hope that happens. And you said you hope to happen in light of the elections. If that happens, so you would rather that happen than that the traditional, as we talked about, folks stay, keep it together. To get candidates in power that I am more aligned with, not perfectly aligned with, but more in line with, politically it would be better for that split, yes. And, and remember, I, I grew up, you know, I have this argument with my friends from the Northern, the northern states. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the South where, <laughs> where racism, Racism is front and center. You walk down the street and you find out real quickly who doesn't like you. And you know, I really don't have a problem with that. I have a problem when I think I have friends or people that are aligned, are aligned that I'm aligned with and they stab me in the back because that's harder for me to deal with. So I don't mind the fringe people being vocal. I can spot them. I can put them in the corner. I can keep my eye on them and I can plan against them. What fears me more is those people who act like friends and, and, and stab you in the back. So I'm not I'm not afraid of the fringe group being being vocal. Now I don't want I don't want violence. No one wants violence and I and I don't want violence. But I don't mind when people tell me they don't like me and they're working against me because I, I know how to deal with them then. As a co- as a fellow because... southerner. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead if you like. I was just going to say, as a fellow, fellow Southerner, I totally agree. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll jump in later. <laughs> I was laughing because that is an old Jack. When he started the story, I knew where the story was going. That's like one of the original. Like, I haven't why changed. are y'all happy about this? And that's nothing about that has changed. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what, But what I was going to say is it's interesting. We talk about the traditional Republican Party, but in my opinion, when we talk about that, we're talking about Reagan's Republican Party, right? This coalition that he somehow put together, balancing the racist and the sexist and the fiscal conservatives and the social conservatives slash pro-life 
I'm voting for one issue and one issue only. And even if everything else that I care about is against that, I'm voting for this one thing, whether whichever one of those one things. And somehow figured out how to make all of those one issue voters balance. And and the fact that it lasted for 30 years is somewhat amazing. Trump stood on that balance, jumped up and down and made it shake, right? And all of a sudden, in particular, the white supremacists got loud. And to use the black fraternity and sorority concept, if the if the D9 can be happy together, but then all of a sudden the Deltas are like, no, but this is my party. All of a sudden, everybody else is going to be like, well, you know what? You can have your party and somebody's going to come away from it. And that's what I believe has happened. You've got somebody trying to claim that it's all theirs and the people, whether it be the fiscal conservatives or, and, and it, I actually think it's the fiscal conservatives that have pulled away. All of a sudden the balance doesn't work anymore. And that's who the Lincoln Project and the Never Trumpers were. They were saying, hey, if you're going to make this the, 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 the beachhead, I was fine when you were in the background and I had the power. But if you want to make this the brand, I can't be part of that brand. And I actually think that that's what happened in California Republicans in the early 90s. And they haven't been a statewide party in 30 years which is why I think they could be done winning for a minute if this is what they allow themselves to stay. Now, maybe they'll figure that out and and take back that brand. But if you're running into the Capitol with a Confederate flag, there's a whole bunch of people that can't that cannot do that. The National Association of Manufacturers came out and said, no, we don't do that. The Business Roundtable said, no, we cannot do that. That cannot be what we stand for. Josh Hawley, who was standing up saying this, has two, the two Missouri papers asking for his resignation today. Right. That's not what he yeah. expected. Right. <laughs> they were supposed to walk to the line and they jumped on the line and then jumped over the line. And, and it's a and it's the classic jump the shark. I don't know how you I don't know how you put that genie back in the bottle. Yeah, but there is something to the long play. Josh Hawley already came out before he was even sworn in talking about he wanted to run for president. So what he's doing is just he and Ted Cruz, in my opinion, they're pandering to the Trumpers, the Trump base for some some move down the road. So he'll take the he'll take the hit now and the public shaming now, but both of those guys have a long play that they're 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 looking to move and neither one of them are stupid. They're they're both well-educated people. So these are calculated decisions that they're making playing these games when they had the easy out like Lindsey Graham and even Kelly Leffler, they had the easy out to take last night and they refused to take it because clearly they have a long play and they're banking that a lot of these folks who are still, you know, in that 74 million are going to still be upset and riled up in a couple of years. Yeah, they can be upset as, as much as they want. They will not have $500 million behind them to, yeah. to, to run for something. And, and, and I think, you know, they, you're right. They rolled the dice, but I, I think in, in that instance, they came up snake eyes. I mean, they, I think they made a bad bet. And we'll see, but we're going to see, I think. And, and that's this why I was calling in, in the friend. archive. So we'll be able to play it back in about five years. <laughs> Hold it. <laughs> so, so who um, haven't we heard from? I guess everyone's here. was trying to get in. Yeah. Be like, did we cut you off? No, no. I, I think 
yeah, people have covered what I was going to say. I, you know, I, I think it's uh, just one of these moments that I just don't put it, you know, I, as I said before, I, I, I think it's it's going to come back to the strategist who are who have been. And, and I've always said I wish the Democrats would, you know, take some lessons from these very deep thinking strategists who figure out how to get the agenda done, even if they have to, you know, so-called hold their nose while they're doing it. It is likely I'm afraid to to somehow stick, but uh, but hope I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you're right that it's um, that it's gonna you know implode. But I, so, I just yeah I don't yeah, know. Okay. And I didn't mean to cut uh, you off. So be light. I'm gonna go a little further. I actually think this is a strengthening point for the Republican Party because mm. I think they needed they had to have a way to get away from Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And this thing yep. yesterday is a convenient way for the. I mean, you see the good senator from South Carolina who was with <laughs> Trump huh, all the way, but now he rebukes him. And right. I think this is a convenient excuse for all of those yep. people to now say, oh, Trump was the devil, but we're not Trump. And right. I actually am con- I'm right. concerned that this will be a strengthening of the Republican Party. I was I had that thought today, too, as I was watching the news and folks who were coming out all of a sudden finding this to be so offensive. I, I was thinking the same thing is that this is really convenient because it's not particularly tied to race, right? It's not, it, it's, you know, global enough that people can be comfortable with stepping away from Trump on this ground. So I don't know. Yeah. It, it strikes me that that is awfully convenient as well. So yeah, it may just be the moment they need it to get from under his thumb. And I guess the question will be is how do they pull all of those voters with them. And that's where I think the strategist will come in. Well, and um, just as a quick check-in, and it was interesting because I think B-Light started with this, you know, and I, I mentioned that, you know, Democrat or Republican, the Republicans don't have exclusivity on um, white supremacy, and there have been policies that Democrats have passed that have been uh, offensive as well, as, as Jack and I always try to have sort of a call to action I think that we, 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 especially black folks, in all honesty, need to continue to be vigilant. Um, I don't think that, um, you know, again, you know, we have a habit, we Democrats, black folks, of kind of, okay, whew, we won that battle because we're exhausted, so we have good reason. But we have to remain vigilant and make sure that, uh, whether it be in the next two years or the next year, I think the sooner the better for policies that actually right the ship. Um, because I think we have a long way to go with, with what has been torn down. And, um, and the Democrats are not famous for being aggressive and, and pushing through these things that really have um, effect on some of these uh, more, um, more affected communities, um, including the black community. So, you know, um, we've got, you know, we, we keep getting folks in there, black folks elected, um, but we have yet to see some real uh, substantive policy that is designed specifically to impact, to impact uh, and, uh, perspective and, you know, and just from a societal perspective, this core issue of racism. Um, so I, I just want us to keep our thumb on it and not kind of relax whether or not the Republicans are, are sort of close to being finished or even if they're, they're sort of, you know, in the, in the uh, cave licking their wounds, 
Um, we need to remain vigilant and keep the Democrats accountable to what ultimately we help them do and get there. And, and what's heartening, too, about this moment, T-Leak, is that what I have seen, at least in the last year or so, is that it's not just Black folks now taking on the charge. And that's heartening to me, is that you have, for the first time since I started studying critical race theory, which was way back in the 90s, you've got, like, that's mainstream conversation. You've got folks talking about systemic racism on national news platforms and structural barriers. Like, these words are in the mainstream right now. And, and that is very heartening that, because I've always said, Racism is not a problem Black folks are going to fix because it's not our problem. And so if we can get people keenly focused on that, the the sad part is that I I had a whole lot of hope for the next generation, which I still do. But, you know, even as we were just talking about George Floyd and, you know, what people might say in private company, I was thinking about some of the TikToks my daughter showed me of, you know, folks emulating the George Floyd murder and making jokes of it live and broadcast out, you know, across and that's from young people. So my hope has always been that young folks are going to be much more enlightened, but I think you'll still have the same kinds of divisions because people learn from their parents, their hates and biases too. But at the same time, we have definitely seen progress in the number and kinds of people talking about systemic and structural racism. And I'll just read, I just, um, an article came across my, um, my email um, in the cut Um, And the title is, The Only Strategy Left for Democrats. After this week, the mandate is clear. Make people's lives better and stop trying to placate Republicans. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity. Go ahead, home team. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's an opportunity. I think it's an opportunity for Democrats to not be complacent because there are some people, again, who, who are swing voters who did make some of the differences or made help make the difference in in this Senate runoff. And if you if you want to make sure that the Republican Party doesn't rise again, like it did the last four years, you're going to have to be a little bit more mature. You're probably going to have to move a little bit to the center and you're going to have to show that you can evolve a little bit in some of your policy. Uh, I think if you just use the next two years just to stick it to the Republicans, uh, as they deserve to have it stuck to them, and that's all you do, you're going to run into a problem long term. So I think I, I'm looking at this as a beginning and a great opportunity, uh, especially with the, the amount of young voters that got involved uh, this year in the general and in the runoff here in, in Georgia. I, I'm looking at this as an opportunity for the Democrats to not allow, instead of waiting to see what Republicans are going to do and, and wonder what their base is going to do and wonder what the Trump faction is going to do, find a way to use your power now for not just the benefit for the next two years or the next four years, but maybe for the next 40. Nee, what were you saying? I I was laughing because the idea that somebody has to tell a, a, a political party that represents at least half of the nation, probably more in fact, are left leaning, to make lives better is laughable to me like what that's the point and the fact that anybody thinks that that's not what the democrats are trying to do i actually think that is what they're trying to do all of the time and they're not figuring out how to do it and to talk about it so that that's what people believe they're trying to do but that 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 was the message make lives better 
and think about the people that voted for you and not the people that didn't. That's that's, so, that's like see, third grade stuff. I but I read it differently. I read it as you know the the receiver that is trying to catch the ball, but constantly looking at the defender and not focusing on the what the the, the real core task at hand is. Because I feel like what they've done is they've tried to keep their feet. It's something I honestly believe Barack Obama did. Keep their feet in in both places. You know, really try. But what happened is is that they sacrificed a lot of what they were doing around making people live better in order to massage, in order to get bipartisan, in order to get all of this stuff that actually made them less effective. And they thought it was going to make them more effective. And so I think that what we're talking about is being aggressive about that and really creating the impact and letting that speak for itself as opposed to doing this massage thing. So I, I honestly don't feel as if they've had their eye on the ball, literally and figuratively, <laughs> and that they've been distracted by all of this stuff that they've been trying to do to, to, to try to bring people over. That's, that's my so, so yeah, you have I to think... invite me back for a Barack Obama <laughs> piece because I think he was the most consequential and, and effective leader of either party since Reagan, as he intended to be, but that's a whole other thing. But I think that this is still a messaging thing. I think that the Democrats won on November 4th and that they won the House and they won more of the seats in this that were up for in the Senate. And obviously they won the White House. And the fact that the messaging is about but down ballot, the Republicans did better and the Republicans picked up more seats in the House. They picked up more seats, but they still won fewer. And so if those are the two things that are both true, why is the overlying message about the Republicans doing better than the Democrats did? Nancy has the gavel. And Kamala is going to make the decision because she's 51. And the fact that all of this was about how relatively well is all about expectation setting. The Republicans are incredibly good at setting low expectations, beating them, and then saying the Democrats are losers when the Democrats are actually setting very, very high expectations, just barely missing them oftentimes, and then saying that, oh, we should have done better. And they're what, saying it, so it, let alone what other folks are saying. What you just said makes complete and total sense. What we have to accept is that people don't accept total sense. The people who voted for Donald Trump did not vote for Hillary Clinton, who made total sense to vote. And you, I think we are just putting a cart before the horse to think that these people are going to then turn around if Joe Biden doesn't run the next time and Kamala Harris does, then all of a sudden these magnificent people who voted this time for Joe Biden are going to turn around and vote for Kamala Harris. I think there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think that while we won this one, we won this game, we won this match, but we haven't won the game. And I, I, I just think we need to be a little bit careful because we got a lot done this election cycle, but election cycles keep coming and they typically have a lot of times where Republicans find a way to win races. And don't forget these lower level elections, they're gonna find a way to change these absentee ballot rules. They're gonna start redrawing districts. They're gonna do everything they can to try to make everybody vote on one day and make voting difficult the next time we have to make these decisions. You know what the Republicans are doing tonight? First day of a four day RNC meeting. They are together in Florida and they are applauding 
in mass, Donald Trump. He called in for, I don't know, three or four minutes this morning, and they were all excited. Elected official Republicans. That's not going to last for long. I think 34% of this population has a high school diploma. Yeah. Well, well the, the other think, thing that... Yeah, I think uh, we better be careful. All right. So, well, I, the, the, well, the other thing that they are doing, and and that we can't sleep on, is you know, even if there's sort of a national turning point. I live in Florida. Um, we work across five deep South states in my organization. The strategy is simply going to the state level. I mean, we just had the same day that those folks stormed the Capitol. Our governor introduced his anti-protest bill that he had threatened to introduce before, which makes protesting essentially a felony, which can you can have RICO charges. It takes away local autonomy. It says we're going to take state funding away from localities that try to touch police budgets. I mean, it's on a state level in a lot of states still, at least, you know, our traditional red states, things are going to get a lot worse for us yeah. because that's yeah. where the attention is coming. And we're creating these models that are just going to be in Alec-like form spreading across the country as much as people can. Because people sometimes forget that power is often local. Even if we might, you know, that's the other pieces. We can't get distracted just about what's happening at the national level, but really still keep looking at what's going on in, in states and localities. What state are you in? What state was that? I'm in Florida. Florida. And, and let me restate in Florida, but just the same story in Texas. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, 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 and then the RNC Georgia is mapping too. out a strategy. Georgia, too. They're already trying to, um, you know, they're evaluating the whole absentee ballot thing. Yeah. They're trying to make it no where you have to have an excuse. No yeah. Yes. So, so, again, you know, I think the key thing is we have to stay vigilant. There is no, you know, there is no rest, um, uh, unfortunately, because again, we have every reason to, to want to and to need to rest. Um, but this is this is something where we have to keep our foot on the pedal. As Home Team said, election cycles keep coming. And the damage, I think, that Donald Trump has left, you have to look at all the federal judges that he left in place. So when you want to take an argument you know, and, and take your legal battle to the place where it's supposed to be fought, the residual Trump uh, grease is still going to be left behind because he's appointed so many federal judges. So I just think we need to be careful. We should celebrate and we should. That's why I said my soul has been refreshed because I think there's great opportunity, but we need to be very careful and understand that the vigilance that we use to vote this time, it is a, it is a requirement that we have the same every time we can vote. That's right. Yeah. So anyone thinking the election was a, was an end is, is mistaken. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of a long fight, and we have to have the energy to fight the good fight. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take us going into our wallets a little more than we wanted to. I know I sent money around the country a little more than I wanted to, but I felt it was necessary. We have to send our energy. It's not over just because we have won the White House and we have a majority in the Senate and the House. And I gave a raw statistic. It's 34% of our population has a bachelor's degree. That means that the vast majority of the voting populace does not. So you, they are they're going to pander, in my opinion, to the same base they pandered to when Trump began to rise. And we're going to have to outvote them repeatedly. Yeah. 
as, as, as home team, as you and I have discussed previously, that requires us to understand also who's living where and the structure that we're dealing with, the electoral college, all of those things. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about the lines that are drawn, that is really where it, you know, when you talk about that 34%, they live in certain places. And yeah, not in cities. <laughs> you look at all the blue is usually a city. You look at all the red is usually some sticks. No, that's what but all the sticks add up. Thirty-four percent. Yes. Cities and those cities are concentrated in certain states. Oh, I see your point. So, yes, yes. I'm point. talking about that. Um, you know, it's a minority, and it's also you know really concentrated in certain areas. So that is again where there is room for an opportunity for change, and that's why yes, the foot on the pedal, but, policy changes, laws. And, and the but the other other thing too to be mindful of is that every, you know, one of the things we've learned, if nothing else, is everything that has been done or we think is a win is undoable, right? Like, so yes. we went back That's so right. many years in this Great administration. And point. so even if we get some victories in the next two years, they aren't necessarily sustained or sustainable. We also have to think about how do we change hearts and minds and win allies yeah. and expand what it means to take care of each other. Because the other thing that is happening is Republicans are also getting much smarter about um, reaching out to diverse communities to take away the race conversation. And we had, you know, we saw the results in this election where Trump actually went up with black male and black female voters, which was deeply, deeply troubling. Um, but even here, like in South Florida, in Miami, the Cuban vote was, I mean, incredibly yes. changed. And so the Republicans here in Florida are even more emboldened. And here we have, you know, the Republicans run the, the governorship, they run both houses, and we have a 7-0 Supreme Court against everything I fight for. So, wow. um, so you know, we, <laughs> we, we have to start figuring out how to build what people have for centuries tried to not have us build, which is the allyship that naturally exists between people who do want to have the same basic human rights to, you know, livable wages, to good education, to all the things that every family wants. And we've got to start, you know, really trying to create those conversations. And that's hard. I, you know, that's hard coming for me, <laughs> but that's, that's not easy. And, and, and we've got to be more strategic, just as the Republicans are constantly being strategic about how do we pull in more black and brown people so people can stop calling us racist and we can just get these. We've got to be more strategic about saying, how do we get people to care about the issues of what humans need to exist and, the, and changing our American culture so that we really believe that everybody should have you know, a minimum of, of something to live on and, and baseline protections. And we are far behind the rest of the world in that regard. And, and that's where I think we've got to be strategic. That is an excellent point, be right. And I completely agree. I won't, I won't try to summarize what he said, but Omar Wasal has a fantastic piece in the Washington Post today about, you know, everybody says this is an American. And he says, of course, this is American. This is deeply American. There is a long strain of uh, American, of a dual system of American theory, one being fully white supremacist and conservative. Let's go back to what we have done. Trump just put a different title on it. And one being, let's move towards something that is egalitarian and protective of each other. And they've been in 
they've been in conflict for 250 years now, right? But the, the piece that ties back to what you said and made me think about it is that that's always been the case, but we're not spending enough time building the piece that is egalitarian and talking about why it's better. So that not only do, because I, I continue to think there are more people that believe that. So if more people believe that, why aren't more people trumpeting that they believe that? Why aren't more people wrapping themselves in that so that we can remind each other and revert back to it when we need to? And I do think that there's a persuasion piece that we've stopped trying to do, even in the in-between, right? And then we turn to turnout, which is important, but that's about the election as opposed to about the living. And in the living period that is between elections as well as during elections, we should be protecting each other. Mm-hmm. I think we need to just take a step back, be proud of what happened. I'm, I'm very proud of what happened in my state, in my county, DeKalb County, where I grew up, because people took it seriously. And then finding the numbers on election day, the folks that went in, I think that, you know, trying to find, it's hard to win hearts and minds. It's easy to change laws easier to change laws and policy than it is to change hearts and minds. And I just hope we find the right issues. I think the biggest and most easiest one is money. Find the Democratic platform that makes the movable Republicans feel like we're not going to take all your money because that's what I hear is the big one of the big problems outside of the you know socialist agenda and all of the things, the rhetoric they get into, the one movable I think issue is making them feel and maybe not just feel, making it so that they are not in a position where they feel like they have to choose between Democrats taking their money or going with the Republican candidate. And I just hope somebody is smart enough to figure out the right issues and get the right stuff out there so we can keep winning. Um, with that, I think we're going we're gonna to wrap up. And I, I want to kind of preview um, a question that Jack and I have done a first show on. Um, and I think it relates specifically to what you said, home team. It's really about capitalism. And I believe it's the answer to the question that, um, so I think you hit it right on the head. I think the answer to your question, me, and the, the changing of hearts and minds and why people won't speak out is sometimes they do feel as if it's different. What they say will affect their economics. Um, and so I think that is another thread that runs through basically everything that has happened in this country and, um, and something um, that needs to be um, sort of deconstructed in order for us to get to the point that um, you, me and Be Light talked about. So with that, I, I really want to thank this amazing forum and some, some really great thoughts and things for people to consider. And I hope that everyone does have a moment, at least, when their soul, as home teams is, is refreshed. Because <laughs> um, we do have a fight ahead of us, as Blue Light says. And um, we have to be strategic. Jag and I are just happy that we can foster these types of conversations. So thank you, me. Thank you, Be Light. Thank you, home team. Love yeah, I've, I've just been quiet the last five minutes or 10 minutes because I'm just I'm just learning and listening to all these these wise words coming from from this panel. So thank you all for being on the show. We really appreciate it. I, I talked on one show about having a black think tank. This would be a good start of a think tank right here. So we just got to figure out how to fund that and move that forward. But thanks, everybody. You can ask any question that you want or 
Don't ask no stupid ass questions. <laughs> <laughs>